Chapter Four of Rose Mather, A Tale by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Four, Will and Brother Tom. Letter from Brother Tom. I am so glad. It's an age since he wrote, and I've been dying to hear from home. Dear old Tom and dropping parasol in one place gloves in another and shawl in another rose mather who had just come in from shopping seized the letter her husband handed her and seating herself upon an ottoman near the window began to read without observing that it was dated at washington instead of boston as usual gradually however there came a shadow over her face and her husband saw the tears gathering slowly in her eyes and dropping upon the letter she had been dying to get what is it rose mr mather asked as a sob met his ear oh will and rose cried outright i didn't believe tom would do that i thought people like him never went to war i most know he'll be killed oh dear dear what shall i do and rose hid her face in the lap of her husband who fondly caressed her chestnut hair as he replied you'll bear it like a brave new england woman we need just such men as your brother tom and i never respected him one half so much as now that he has shown how truly noble he is he was greatly opposed to lincoln you know and worked hard to defeat him but now that our country is in danger he like a true patriot has thrown aside all political feeling and gone to the rescue i honour him for it and may success attend him yes interrupted rose as a new idea struck her but what will his southern friends think of him and he has got a heap of them there are the burneys and franklins from new orleans the richardsons in mobile and those nice people in charleston what will they say when they hear he has taken up arms against them and he always used to quarrel so with those stiff abolitionists in boston when they said the southerners had no right to their slaves tom insisted they had and that the north was meddling with what was none of its business and now he's turned abolitionist and joined too dear dear mr mather smiled at rose's reasoning and after a moment replied i have no idea that tom has changed his mind in the least with regard to the negroes or that he loves his southern friends one with the less than when defending them from abuse negroes and southern proclivities have nothing to do with it a blow has been struck at the very heart of our union and tom feels it his duty to resent it it's just like this suppose you in a pet were trying to scratch your mother's eyes out and tom should try to prevent it would you think him false to you because he took the part of his mother would you not rather respect him far more than if he stood quietly by and saw you fight it out it is not very likely i should try to scratch out mother's eyes said rose half laughing at her husband's odd comparison and adding after a moment i don't see how folks can fight and love each other too mr mather didn't quite see it either and without directly replying to rose he asked by way of diverting her mind from the subject of her brother's volunteering if she noticed what tom said about the rockland company in general and george graham and isaac sims in particular this reminded rose of annie who had been ill most of the time since her husband's departure i meant to have called on mrs graham right away she said the poor creature has been so sick they say but would not let them send for george because it was his duty to stay where he was i'd like to see duty or anything else make me willing to part with you i don't believe mrs graham loves her husband as i do you or she would never consent to be left alone and rose nestled closer to her husband who could not find courage to tell her what he meant to do when he handed her tom's letter 
it would be too much for her to bear at once he thought as he saw how greatly she was pained because her brother had joined the army and was even then in washington to rose it was some consolation that tom was captain of his company and that his soldiers were taken from the finest families in boston this was far better than if he had gone as a private which of course he would not do he was too proud for that and she could never have forgiven him the disgrace still viewed in any light it was very sad for tom had been to rose more like a father than a brother he was the pride the head of the carleton family upon whom herself and mother had leaned the one since the day of her widowhood and the other since she could remember he it was who had petted and caressed and spoiled her up to the very hour when at the altar he had given her away to will he it was too who had been the arbiter of all the childish differences which had arisen between herself and jimmy teasing naughty jimmy wandering now no one knew where if indeed he were alive and at the thought of jimmy with his saucy eyes and handsome face her tears flowed afresh what if he were living and should join the army like tom it would be more than she could bear and for a long time after her husband left her rose sat weeping over the picture she drew of both her brothers slain on some bloody battlefield the shadow of war was beginning to enfold her and brought with it a new and strange sympathy for those who like herself had brothers in the army again remembering annie graham she sprang up exclaiming to herself i'll go this very afternoon she'll be so glad to know what tom thinks of george and ere long rose was picking her way daintily through the narrow street which led to the cottage in the hollow it was superior to most of the dwellings upon that street and rose was struck at once with the air of neatness and thrift apparent in everything around it from the nicely painted fence to the little garden with its plats of flowers just budding into beauty they have seen better days i am sure or else mrs graham's social position was above her husband's was rose's mental comment as she lifted the gate latch and passed up the narrow walk catching a glimpse through the open window of a sweet pale face and of a thick stout figure flying through the opposite door as if anxious to avoid being seen poor annie had been very sick and more than once the physician who attended her had suggested sending for her husband but annie though missing him sadly and longing for him more than any one could guess always opposed it begging of widow sims who of her own accord went to nurse her not to write anything which would alarm him in the least so george ever hopeful ever looking on the sunny side thought of his blue-eyed wife as a little bit sick and nervous it might be but not dangerous at all and wrote to her kind loving cheering letters which did much to keep her courage from dying within her annie was better now was just in that state of convalescence when she found it very hard to lie all day long watching widow sims as she bustled out and in setting the chairs in a row with their six backs square against the wall and their six fronts opposite the table stand and bureau also in a row she was just wishing some one would come when the swinging of the gate and the widow's exclamation oh the land if that stuck-up thing ain't comin announced the approach of rose mather i'll make myself missin for mercy knows i don't want to hear none of your secession stuff it fairly makes my blood bile was the widow's next comment and gathering up her knitting she hurried into the kitchen leaving annie to receive her visitor alone not waiting for her knock to be answered rose entered at the open door and advanced at once into the room where annie was her fair hair pushed back from her forehead her blue eyes unusually brilliant and her face scarcely less white than the pillow on which it lay rose had an eye for the beautiful and after the first words of greeting were over she broke out in her impulsive way why mrs graham how handsome you are looking 
just like the apple blossoms i wish your husband could see you now i'm sure he wouldn't stay there another hour i think it's cruel in him don't you the tears came at once to annie's eyes and her voice was very low as she replied george does not know how sick i have been neither do i wish to have him it would only make his burden heavier to bear and i try to care more for his comfort than my own this was a phase of unselfishness wholly new to rose and for an instant she was silent then remembering tom's letter she seated herself upon the foot of the bed and throwing aside her bonnet took the letter from her pocket telling annie as she did so that she too was now interested in the war and in every one whose friends had gone i never knew how it felt before she said and i've made a heap of silly speeches i know don't you remember that time in the hall when i talked about your husband being shot i am sorry but i do think he's more likely to be picked off than tom who is not nearly as tall you are faint ain't you she added as she saw how deathly pale annie grew while the drops of perspiration stood thickly about her lips simpleton simpleton muttered widow sims listening through the keyhole in the kitchen while annie whispered please don't talk that way mrs mather i know george is very tall but unless god wills it otherwise the bullets will pass by him as well as others rose saw she had done mischief again by her thoughtless way of speaking and eager to repair the wrong she bent over annie and said i am sorry i am always doing something foolish you are faint shan't i tell the servant to bring you some water she's in the kitchen i suppose and ere annie could explain rose had darted into the neat little kitchen where widow sims was stooping over the stove and kindling a fire with which to make the evening tea girl girl mrs graham wants some water hurry and bring it quick will you rose called out a little peremptorily for there was something rather suggestive of defiance in the square straight back which never moved a particle in answer to the command deaf or hateful was rose's mental comment and as it might possibly be the former she wished she knew the girl's name as that would be more apt to attract her most every irish girl is bridget she thought to herself and i guess this one is anyway she acts like the girl that used to order mother outdoors so i'll venture upon that name bridget bridget and this time the voice was decidedly authoritative in its tone but what more rose might have added was cut short by the widow who dropped the griddle with a bang and turning sharply round replied there's no bridget here and if it's me you mean i am mrs joseph sims rose had good reason for remembering mrs sims and colouring crimson she tried to apologise i beg your pardon i did not see your face i supposed everybody kept a girl and your back looked like don't make the matter any worse interrupted the widow smiling in spite of herself at rose's attempt to excuse her blunder you thought from my dress that i was a hired girl and so i was in my younger days and i don't feel none the was for it neither miss graham's faint is she she's had time to get over it i think here's the water and filling a gourd shell she handed it to rose who in her admiration of the to her novel drinking cup came near forgetting annie but annie did not care for their encounter between the widow and rose had done her quite as much good as the water could and rose found her laughing the first really hearty laugh she had enjoyed since george went away it's just like me rose said as she resumed her seat by annie listening intently while she told how kind the widow sims had been coming every day to stay with her and only leaving her at night because annie insisted that she should i like mrs sims 
was rose's vehement exclamation and i am glad tom said what he did about isaac who used to saw our wood i did not tell you did i and there's something real nice about your husband too i mean to call her in while i read it and rose ran out to the woodshed where the widow was now splitting a pine for kindling the newspaper she at first had used having burned entirely out rose's manner and voice were very conciliatory as she said please mrs sims come in and listen while i read what brother tom has written about mr graham and your isaac something perfectly splendid tom has volunteered and gone to washington you know it was strange how those few words changed the widow's opinion of rose the fact that thomas carleton whom the rockland people fancied was a secessionist had joined the federal army did much toward effecting this change but not so much as the fact that he had actually noticed her boy and spoken of him in a letter miss mather ain't so bad after all she thought and striking her axe into the log she followed rose to the sitting-room listening eagerly while she read the few sentences pertaining to george and isaac they were as follows by the way will i find there's a company here from rockland fine appearing fellows too most of them are and under good discipline i am especially pleased with the second lieutenant he's a magnificent-looking man and attracts attention wherever he goes that's george you know and rose quite as much pleased as annie herself nodded toward the latter whose pale cheek flushed with pride at hearing her husband thus spoken of by rose mather's brother yes but isaac interrupted the widow whereabouts does he come in oh pretty soon i'll get to him there's more about george yet answered rose as she resumed her reading i had the pleasure of talking with him yesterday and found him very intelligent and sensible if we had more men like him success would be sure and speedy he has about him a great deal of fun and humour which go far toward keeping up the spirits of his company and some of the poor fellows need it sadly there's a young boy in the ranks isaac sims who interests me greatly oh and the widow drew a long sigh as rose continued i wonder he was ever suffered to come he seems so young so girl-like and so gentle still he does a great deal of good lieutenant graham tells me by visiting the sick and sharing with them any delicacy he happens to have he's rather homesick i imagine for when i asked him if he had a mother his chin quivered in a moment and i saw the tears standing in his eyes poor boy i can't account for the interest i feel in him heaven grant that if we come to open fight he may not fall a victim yes yes my boy my darling boy and burying her face in her hard hands the widow sobbed aloud i thank you miss mather for reading me that she said and i thank your brother for writing it tell him so will you tell him i'm nothing but a cross sour grain snappish old woman but i have a mother's heart and i bless him for speaking so kindly of my boy rose's tears fell fast as she folded up the letter and annie's kept company with them there was a bond of sympathy now between the three as they talked together of the soldiers mrs sims and annie devising various methods by which they might be benefited and rose wishing she too could do something for them but i can't she said despairingly i never did anybody any real good in all my life only bothered them and rose sighed as she thought how useless and aimless was her present mode of life you'll learn by and by said the widow in a tone unusually soft for her then as if the sock she held in her lap had suggested the idea she continued can you knit rose shook her head nor your mother neither 
again rose shook her head feeling quite ashamed that she should lack this accomplishment well the widow went on tain't much use to learn now twould take a year to get one stocking done but if when winter comes that brother of yours wants socks and mittens or the like of that tell him i'll knit em for him oh you are so kind cried rose thinking to herself how she'd send widow sim some pineapple preserves such as she had with dessert that day they grew to liking each other very fast after this and rose stayed until the little round table was arranged for tea and rolled to annie's bedside there was no plate for rose the widow having deemed it preposterous that she should stay but the table looked so cosy with its tiny black teapot and its nicely buttered toast that rose invited herself with such a pretty patronizing way that the widow failed to see the condescension it implied it did not however escape annie's observation but she could not feel angry with the little lady touching her bone-handled knife as if she were afraid of it and looking round in quest of the napkin she failed to find for widow sims had banished napkins from the table as superfluous articles which answered no earthly purpose save the putting an extra four cents into the pocket of the washerwoman harry baker's mother it was growing late and the sunset shadows were already creeping into the hollow when rose bade annie good-bye promising to come again ere long and wondering as she took her homeward way whence came the calm quiet peace which made annie graham so happy even though her husband were far away in the midst of danger and death rose had heard that annie was a christian and so were many others whom she knew but they were much like herself good well-meaning people amiable and submissive when everything went to suit them but let their husbands once join the army and they would make quite as much a fuss as she who did not profess to be anything and then for the first time in her life rose wished she too could learn from annie's teacher and so have something to sustain her in case her husband should go but he wouldn't go and if he did all the religion in the world could not make her resigned and the tears sprang to rose's eyes as she hurried up the handsome walk to the piazza where will sat smoking his cigar in the hazy twilight she told him where she had been and then sitting upon his knee told him of annie wishing she could be like her and asking if he did not wish so too will made no direct reply his thoughts were evidently elsewhere and after a few minutes he said hesitatingly would it break my darling's heart if i should join tom at washington there was a cry of horror and rose hid her face in her husband's bosom oh will will you shan't you can't you mustn't and won't i didn't know you ever thought of such a cruel thing don't you love me any more i'll try to do better i certainly will and rose nestled closer to him holding his hands just as annie graham had once held her husband's you could not be much better neither could i love you more than i do now rosa darling mr mather replied kissing her childish brow but rosa be reasonable once and listen while i tell you how ever since the fall of sumter i have thought the time would come when i should be needed resolving to that when it came it should not find me a second sardanapolis the sudden lifting of rosa's head and her look of perplexed inquiry showed that notwithstanding the fanciful ornament styled a diploma lying in her writing-desk sardanapolis had not the honour of being numbered among her acquaintances but her heart was too full to ask an explanation and her husband continued besides that there was a mutual understanding between tom and myself that if one went the other would and he has gone nobly laying aside all the party prejudice which for a time influenced his conduct our country needs more men yes yes gasped rose but more have gone 
there's scarcely a boy left in town and it's just so everywhere mr mather smiled as he replied i know the boys have gone boys whose fair beardless faces should put to shame a strong full-grown man like me and another class too have gone our labouring young men leaving behind them poverty and little helpless children whereas i have nothing of that kind for an excuse oh i wish i had a dozen children if that would keep you cried rose the insane idea flashing upon her that she would at once adopt a score or more of those she had seen playing in the muddy hollow that afternoon mr mather smiled and continued suppose you try and accustom yourself to the idea of living a while without me i shall not die until my appointed time and shall undoubtedly come back again don't you see no rose didn't her heart was too full of pain to see how going to war was just as sure a method of prolonging one's life as staying at home and she sobbed passionately one moment accusing her husband of not loving her as he used to and the next begging of him to abandon his wild project mr mather was a man of firm decision and long before he broached the subject to his wife his mind had been made up that his country called for him not for somebody else but for him personally that if the rebellion were to be crushed out men of wealth and influence must help to crush it not alone by remaining at home and urging others on though this were an important part but by actually joining in the combat and by their presence cheering and inspiring others and mr mather was going too had in fact already made arrangements to that effect and neither the tears nor entreaties of his young wife could avail to change his purpose but he did not tell her so that night he would rather come to it gradually taking a different course from that which george graham had pursued for where george had left the decision wholly to his wife mr mather had taken it wholly upon himself making it first and telling rose afterwards it was better so he thought and having said all to her that he wished to say on that occasion he tried to divert her mind into another channel but rose was not to be diverted it had come upon her like a thunderbolt the thing she so much dreaded and she wept bitterly seeing in the future which only a few hours before looked so bright and joyous nothing but impenetrable gloom for she could read her husband tolerably well and she intuitively felt that she had lost him that he was going from her never to come back she knew she should be a widow before she was nineteen and the host of summer dresses she meant to buy when she went back to boston changed into a widow's sombre weeds as rose saw herself arrayed in the habiliments of mourning what a fright she looked to herself in the widow's cap with which her vivid imagination disfigured her chestnut hair and she shuddered afresh as she thought how hideous she was in black poor simple little rose and yet we say again rose was not a fool nor yet an unnatural character there are many many like her some who will recognize themselves in this story and more who will not gay impulsive pleasure-seeking creatures whom fashionable education and too indulgent parents have done their utmost to spoil but who still possess many traits of excellence needing only adverse circumstances to mould and hammer them into the genuine coin of true-hearted womanhood such a one was rose reared by a fond mother petted by an older brother and teased by a younger flattered by friend and foe and latterly caressed and worshipped by a husband rose had come to think far too much of her own importance as mrs rose mather nay miss rose carleton of boston an acknowledged belle and leader of the ton 
there was a wide difference between rose and annie graham for while the latter in her sweet unselfishness thought only of her husband's welfare both here and hereafter rose's first impulse was a dread shrinking from being alone and her second terror lest the years of her youth now spread out so invitingly before her should be passed in secluded widowhood with nothing from the gay world without wherewith to feed her vanity and love for admiration still beneath rose's light exterior there was hidden a mine of tenderness and love a heart which when roused to action was capable of greater more heroic deeds than would at first seem possible and that heart was rousing too was gradually waking into life but not all at once and the tears which rose shed the whole night through were wrung out more from selfishness perhaps than from any higher feeling it would be so stupid living there alone in rockland if she could only go to washington with will it would not be half so bad but she could not for she waked will up from sound sleep to ask him if she might and he answered no falling away again to sleep and leaving rose to wakefulness and tears unmingled with any prayer that the cloud gathering so fast around her might sometime break in blessings on her head it was scarcely light next morning when rose determining to prevail redoubled her entreaties for her husband to abandon the decision he now candidly acknowledged but she could not he was going to the war and going as a private rose almost fainted when he told her this and for a time refused to be comforted she might learn to bear it she said if he were an officer but to go as a common soldier like those she worked for at the hall was more than she could bear it was in vain that mr mather told her how only a few could be officers and that he was content to serve his country in any capacity leaving the more lucrative situations to those who needed them more he did not tell her he had declined a post of honour for the sake of one who seemed to him more worthy of it he would rather this should reach her from some other source and ere the day was over it did for in a small town like rockland it did not take long for every other one to know that william mather had enlisted as a private soldier when he might have been colonel of a regiment had he not given place to another because that other had depending on him a bedridden mother a crazy wife and six little helpless children how fast william mather rose in the estimation of those who never having known him intimately had looked upon him as a cold haughty man whose loyalty was somewhat doubtful and how proud rose felt even in the midst of her tears as she heard on every side her husband's praise even the widow sims ventured to the mather mansion telling her how glad she was and offering to do what she could for the volunteer while annie unable to do anything for herself could only pray that god would bring mr mather back safely to the child-wife who was so bowed down with grief how annie longed to see her and if possible impart to her some portion of the hopeful trust which kept her own soul from fainting beneath its burden of anxious uncertainty but the days passed on and rose came no more to the cottage in the hollow love for her husband had triumphed over every other feeling and rousing from her state of inertness she busied herself in doing or rather trying to do a thousand little things which she fancied might add to willie's comfort she called him willie now as if that name were dearer tenderer than will and the strong man every time he heard it felt a sore pang there was something so plaintive in the tone as if she were speaking of the dead it was a most beautiful summer day when at last he left her and rosa's heart was well-nigh bursting with its load of pain it was all in vain that she said her usual form of prayer never more meaningless than now when her thoughts were so wholly absorbed with something else she did not pray in faith but because it was a habit of her childhood a something she rarely omitted unless in too great a hurry 
no wonder then that she rose up from her devotion quite as grief-stricken as when she first knelt down god does not often answer what is mere lip-service and rose was yet a stranger to the prayer which stirs the heart and carries power with it the parting was terrible and mr mather more than half repented when he saw how tightly she clung to his neck begging him to take her with him or at least to send for her very soon what shall i do when you are gone what can i do she sobbed and her husband answered you can work for me darling work for all the soldiers it will help divert your mind i can't i can't was rose's answer i don't know how to work oh willie willie i wish there wasn't any war willie wished so too but there was no time now for regrets for a rumbling in the distance and a rising wreath of smoke on the western plain warned him not to tarry longer if he would go that day one more burning kiss one more fond pressure of the wife he loved so much a few more whispered words of hope and then another rockland volunteer had gone gone without daring to look backward to the little form lying just the same as he put it from him and yet not just the same he had felt it quivering with anguish when he took his arms away but the trembling quivering motion was over now and the form he had caressed lay motionless and still all unconscious of the dreary pain throbbing in the heart and all unmindful of the loud hurrah which greeted william mather as he stepped upon the platform of the car and waved his hat to those assembled there to see him off rose who had meant at the very last to be so heroic so brave so worthy the wife of a soldier had fainted End of chapter 4